Welcome into episode 28 of the Print Fest DFS podcast. My name is Justin Rue, alongside Scott Bandy. We're here to break down our week two DraftKings cash game lineups. And uh, week two was crazy, total bloodbath. Um, we talked up Cooper Cup on Friday. We end up not playing him. Scott, how you doing? Oh, man. Yesterday was pretty rough. It was uh, just a flux of a bunch of different emotions to <laughs> One o'clock felt good. About one forty-five, I felt dead inside after Cup scored his first touchdown. Cup scored his second touchdown. Uh, I'm like thirty-five points below. We end up swapping. You know, getting close. Obviously, we had different swaps, different lineups to begin with. But yeah, I mean, holy! It was the probably the, the craziest day that I've ever had in DFS from a cash perspective, at least. Yeah, it was a total roller coaster. So. As you can see, uh, I'm sharing my screen. You can see my lineup where we have Tom Brady, Mike Evans, and and Lockett and Cedric Wilson. We didn't talk about like any of those guys on Friday, but I'll, I'll kind of talk through how I got on this lineup. So uh, on the left here, you'll see my lineup I started with. So I, I originally had, going into the slate, I had Justin Herbert, Najee Harris, Zeke, Chris Carson, the flex, Keenan, Lamb, Jamar Chase, Higby, and I punted off with Jet Steve. Um, I felt really sad about this lineup heading into the slate. Um, I really wanted to get Cup in there, but to get Cup in, I had to punt it off with with uh, Adam Troutman, which, um, you know, we talk about all the time on our Friday pods that, uh, you know, punting off tight end is probably best just to, you know, fit whatever else you can in your lineup just because the tight end projections are so fragile. Um, and we got hit right in the face of that. We both played Higby. Uh, and he ended up having one catch for eight yards. So I think going forward, I'm really, really going to try to prioritize punting off tight end to fit in all the plays that I want because uh, in hindsight, uh, it's, it was probably a mistake not to be on cup. What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I mean, I'm like the king of, of just praising the punt tight end every single week, and this is now two weeks in a row that I've somewhat – you know, paying up for me would be in the 4K range at tight end. I've done it twice, and it's burnt me twice. And it's just the opportunity cost of, of paying up a tight end. Like, it, there's so much variance in projecting these these crappy-ass tight ends that, like, I'd much rather punt that than, than punt receiver or, you know. It's just brutal, like, just going against my brain, paying up twice, and it's not worked out twice. And I'm on board with you. I'm just done with it. I'm not doing it anymore. I'm, I'm just not. I won't be paying more than 3500 for a tight end for the rest of my life. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Yeah, so with the lineup uh, with Cup, it would have been Keenan, Lamb, and Cup instead of Chase. And it would have been Troutman instead of uh, Higby, which would have been an absolute smash fest. So my main lineup without pivoting put up 125. The line to cash was 128. My pivoted lineup, which I will uh, touch on here in a second, ended up putting up 151. So the pivot at four o'clock, the decision point was I didn't have Cooper Cup. He was 35% owned in, in cash games. Um, I did not have Noah Fant. Um, and he was another, I think, like 25%. I believe he was the highest owned tight end. Him and Higby were right around 25, 26%. And Fant scored a touchdown. So I was like, all right, I'm down. I think I believe I was 30 points below line of cash um, with five guys left going into the four o'clock games. From a game theory perspective, we know that this Chargers and 
uh, Cowboys game was going to be uber chalk. We knew that Herbert, we knew, you know, Keenan, Lamb, Cooper, all the ownership was going to happen in this game. We knew Chris Carson was going to be uber chalk in the four o'clock slate. So I said, all right, I need to get off these guys. If I don't, I'm not going to be able to catch up and end up not getting there. If I, if I would have stayed, I would have put up 125, would have been three points below line of cash. So I decided to pivot. I said, all right, I'm just going to get on something that people aren't going to be on and it's going to have a ton of upside. And if it hits, it hits and it gets me into the line of cash. If it doesn't, I was going to lose anyway. That's the kind of way I was seeing it. And so here was my pivot. I moved from Herbert to Tom Brady. Tom Brady, we knew the smash spot he was in. We didn't talk about it on Friday. It's just because we typically don't like play running. We typically don't play quarterbacks that don't run, but Tom Brady in this spot, uh, I mean, just they had a massive implied total, like 32 points. Tom Brady, I'm throwing five touchdowns. He's on an absolute tear. Um, so that was a great swap. I swapped from Zeke, who I expected to be higher owned. He ended up being like 12%. So I could have probably stayed on him um, had I known he would have been, you know, 12%. I thought he was going to be in the 20s at least. Um, and went up to Dalvin, who ended up putting 19.8 up on the board at 1% owned. So that was an awesome pivot. That got me, um, you know, leverage there. And then I stacked up uh, Evans with Brady to just give me more upside because I needed every bit I could to claw my way back. Stacked him up with Brady. Evans ended up scoring twice to score 24 and a half. So that pivot was off of CeeDee Lamb down to Mike Evans. And then I got from Keenan Allen, who was 50% owned in double ups, got uh, I paid $200 more for Tyler Lockett who scored 34.8 and caught a long bomb, had like 170 yards and a touchdown. Um, just absolute smash day for Lockett. Um, and then I just ended up punting off the flex position by going from Carson all the way down to Cedric Wilson, who um, I thought was going to be running a route on about 90% of the snaps um, and in an absolute shootout. He ended up being like 9% owned. I, I was, you know, maybe could get some kind of exposure to this Chargers game through Cedric Wilson. And it ended up working out. I mean, I scored 151. Line of cash was 128. I clawed my way back. Uh, you know, this is the kind of game through things that you have to do. You have to pivot if you're if you know you're not going to go to claw your way back. You need to make moves. Um, you know, for these four o'clock games to claw your way back. Otherwise, you're just drawing dead. Yeah, it really sucks when we get put in this, these positions because we know we are literally forced to fade the best plays on the board. Um, but it did work out in our favor from a game theory perspective because we knew that most of the chalk on the slate was in the four o'clock game. So we knew that if, you know, things didn't, you know, fall the right way in those, in the early 1 PM games, um, it made it very, very clear from the get go that we would have to swap. There was no if, ands, or buts because when you're playing Keenan Allen, who's 50%, you know, when we're playing Herbert, who I think was 38%, Carson was 40%. Lamb was 35%. Cooper was 24% or something like that. You got to get off these guys because every time they do something, the line of cash is going to move with it. Um, and it's just not, it's not, it's going to be really, really difficult for you to inch your way back into uh conversation of actually making money. So, um, yeah, you just have to make the pivots that you know are going to be loaned that maximize your leverage. Like, for example, your locket play, it maximized your leverage off of the Chris Carson chalk, right? Um, Dalvin Cook at 1% owned. Every single point that Dalvin Cook gets you puts you closer line of cash without that line moving. 
Um, so it's just things like that. Cedric Wilson at the beginning of the week, we had the indication that he was going to be pretty chalky. As the week went on, we kind of we kind of saw that okay, maybe he's going to go lower than we thought. Cedric Wilson at 3100 allows you to you know jam in guys like Brady, Lockett, Evans, and Dalvin uh, because he's so cheap and gives you direct leverage against Lamb and Cooper Chalk. Because guess what? If Wilson scores at 8% and that's not Lamb at 35%, at 40%, that's going to do massive things for your chances of actually salvaging your day. So um, I love all your pivots. And it's it worked out. I mean, unfortunately, a lot of times when we do have the late swap, it does not turn out nearly as pretty as it did for you yesterday. Yeah, I certainly, uh, I certainly like that. But I mean, Tom Brady and Evans were were awesome, awesome plays. They were just like completely unknown because in cash, uh, you know, smart people they just play the best plays. And and I did play the best plays uh, outside of Cup. I, I faded Cup and and it absolutely burned me. But you know, I was able to turn it back around by just swapping and and kind of running into the nuts here with Brady, Evans, and uh, and Lockett. So. Um, a couple of the other plays, though, we both ended up playing Najee Harris. You know, he was 53% owned. He was a total lock. Um, you know, this this Steelers offensive line's absolute shit. Um, but at 6,300, he was coming off week one where he played 100% of the snaps. Uh, you know, at, as a home favorite, taking on the Raiders, uh, I was just never going to fade that. He ended up putting 19.1 up on the board, had a receiving touchdown, five receptions, uh, 38 or 43 yards, another 38 yards rushing. Um, I, I was just never going to fade Najee Harris at, at 6,300. Well, I mean, did he play 100% of the snaps again? Do we know that yet? I can check. Uh, I'm, sure, I'm sure he played 90-plus percent, but yeah, 6,300 for an established bell cow, you know, is a guy that is locked in the goal line, locked into third down work against the Raiders defense that is not scary in any shape. Um, so yeah, he's just too cheap. I will say going forward, I, I'm really concerned about the Steelers as a whole. I mean, Big Ben looks really rough. I mean, they lost the Raiders. They they lumped box into a win against the Bills. The only reason they won that game is because Josh Allen looked even worse than Ben did last week. But moving forward, I, I don't know if I can play Najee again unless he his price side goes down because man, it felt like we lucked out getting the 19. Like that offensive line is so bad. That offense is so stagnant right now. Even in good matchups that we've seen back-to-back weeks, like, man, it's been rough trying to get him there. So, I don't know. Moving forward, I'm going to be a little – I think I'm going to scale it back with Najee. Yeah, so he ended up playing 94% of the snaps in week one – or week two. Yeah. So And um, you're just outside of Christian McCaffrey, like, who's playing that many snaps? <laughs> So it's locked into the workload. It's just, man, that team sucks. Yeah, the the efficiency is terrible. Um, And the thing is, he's a good player. It's just that the efficiency is so bad. See the stiff arm that he had where he threw Abram into the sideline? Uh, It has has nothing to do with Najee. I know. He's a baller. (laughs) Yeah. Um, All right. So kind of get into the rest of the guys. We talked about Lamb and um, and Keenan Allen. If I go back here to my – to my main lineup before I pivoted, they were and they were just fine. I mean, Keenan scored seventeen point eight, Lamb seventeen point four. They're both fine. Um, but I mean, my my swap to Lockett and Evans was 
uh, just a total print fest. Evans ended up scoring twice on five receptions, 75 yards. He had, I think he had two of those touchdowns at the goal line. Just, just every time they're just throwing within the five, they're just throwing it to Evans and Gronk every time. Um, and then Lockett, yeah, we mentioned uh, Lockett was the leverage off of the heavy, heavy ownership of Chris Carson. Carson was an awesome play, um, but he was 40% owned in cash. Lockett ended up being 3.8%. Uh, and so Carson still ended up scoring twice, but other than that, he didn't have a reception, and I think he only had like maybe 40 yards rushing. So outside of those two touchdowns, Carson was kind of a bust. And uh, Lockett, you know, process-wise, he gave me direct leverage off of that heavy ownership and that's exactly what I needed um and kind of got me there but um yeah oh so at tight end we, we gotta talk about Higby so Higby ended up playing 100% of the snaps in week two as well um so this is an every down player and that's that's kind of the totaling part and it's kind of small sample um it was just one game but th- week one he played 100% of snaps week two he played 100% of snaps he's out there running routes um, and we know he's a decent enough talent, uh, but everything went to Cooper Cup and, and Robert Woods in this game. And, you know, we, we want to punt off a tight end, um, but I, you know, I, I, it's tough because I, I think I would make the play again um, at 4,100 for a guy playing 100% of snaps, but um, it's brutal. It's brutal. 1.8 points, just total boss. This Higby play is really tilting for me for two reasons. One, because we didn't play Cup. So every single time, you know, the Rangers, they got the ball back, and it's just Cup, 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 Cup. That first touchdown, like, was anyone even in the same zip code as Cooper Cup? Like, man, like. It's twice now. It happened last week, too. Happened week one. Yeah, and it's like, man, so that sucked. On top of paying up for for Higby at 4,100, which is, I mean, it's not paying up, but, you know, for what we usually like to do, it, it kind of is. And then secondly, man, like I liked Fant better all week and it was close, but I did slightly prefer Fant. I ended up on Higby just because of the build that I ended up on, at least to start the day, I literally had no salary left. So it was Higby or I was going to have to, you know, maneuver something else around that I didn't feel as comfortable uh, doing in order to get Fant in there. So, I mean, it's just kind of like a double whammy, like, you know, we didn't play cup. I like Fant better and I'm paying up a tight end. Like, man, that is tilting. That is really, really tilting. But I mean, he was a fine play at 4.1K. Like, he's a good enough talent at tight end, like you said. He's playing 100% of the snaps for, you know, one of the best offenses in the NFL. So, um, on paper, like, the play was completely fine. Um, it's just, you know, sometimes you're the hammer and sometimes you're the nail. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, uh, I, I really just want to be looking to pay down a tight end to jam in these other uh, super, super strong plays. Um, but another play that I, I went with, so I went with Jamar Chase um, at 5K. And so Chase was the last guy, and going back to my, my lineup that I started with at 1 o'clock. Um, so Jamar Chase, he was 5K. He's playing basically, I think he's playing like 95% of snaps. He's leading the team in routes run uh, every week. And we know what kind of talent he is. He's not going to be 5K for too much longer. Um, he was basically nothing going at all this entire game. And then hit, I think he'll end up having two catches um, on four targets and only a 14% target share. So really not a great uh, peripheral day, but he ended up getting in the box and scoring a 42-yard touchdown. Um, 
I believe in the fourth quarter of this game to kind of salvage something. So he ended up putting up 13.4 and being fine. Um, you know, he was the last guy in and, and I don't feel great about the chase play. Uh, but I was considering like you went with Emmanuel Sanders and I really, really just try to stay away. Even though Sanders wasn't a good spots plan, not, you know, over 90% of the snaps, I really try and stay away from guys that are over 30. I mean, he's 34 years old. I mean, this guy, and he's, he was a great player. Um, I'm not sure how much Mano Sanders has left. I kind of err on the side of uh, young and up and coming players as compared to older aging guys, just in general. Yeah. We'll get to my lineup here in a minute, but overall, I mean, great day for you. The pivot couldn't have, it could not have ended up any better for you. My day. A little bit of a different story. So I'll share my screen here in a minute. Yeah, I'm going to uh, yeah, I'm gonna stop my share here. Yeah, so I ended up putting up 151. The line of cash was down at uh, 128. So right, can you see my screen? Uh, yep. Yep. Yeah, so for start, this is where I ended up. Um, so for what it is, for what it's worth, the lineup I – I started the day with was Herbert, Najee, uh, Carson, um, CeeDee Lamb, Keenan Allen, Emmanuel Sanders, Tyler Higby, Austin Eckler in the flex, and then Vikings defense. Um, and like I said, this zeroed me out salary-wise. Um, so my early guys ended up being Najee, um, Emmanuel Sanders, and Higby. Najee, completely fine. Higby really like that really hurt like getting 1.8 from that position especially when chalky fan you know he put up like 14 or something like that uh but man the amanda sanders call um at 4k you know he's playing the second most snaps on the team behind stefan diggs uh we know buffalo always smacks miami in the mouth and it happened again even though i mean still josh allen just doesn't look like the same guys last year um i think manny sanders was six in air yards after last week he actually did have a long catch. I think he went down to like the three or the four, and that was pretty <laughs> tilting. And then yeah. he didn't see another catch for like it seemed like a month. Um, but yeah, so he ended up, you know, two catches, forty-eight yards. And like ugh, freaking Zach Moss got in the end zone. I think it was a Dawson Knox scored. Like yeah, like uh, Jake Kumro. I think got a red zone target. Like it was getting really tilting. So he just didn't end up getting there. And similar to the Cedric call. I thought early in the week, it seemed like Cedric and Emmanuel Sanders were going to carry some ownership. Sanders surprised me more than Cedric. I thought Sanders would be more than 7.9%. Like I even think Cole Beasley ended up with more ownership than uh, Sanders, which I did not see coming. But so, you know, after the early games, I was in a world of trouble. I think I was 34, 35 points below the uh, line of cash and double ups um, right before the four o'clock games kicked off. So, what I ended up doing was, you know, to get off the to get off the massive uh, Carson chalk, I gave myself as much leverage as, as possible. So I went with a Wilson to Metcalf stack. With Metcalf and, and, and Lockett, like, I'll get into this in a minute, but, like, I can't do this anymore. Like, I, I always <laughs> pick the wrong guy. And, like, I had, the, I had the salary for Metcalf. In a vacuum, I like Metcalf better than Lockett in these spots. So I went Metcalf. Uh, so that gave me a maximum leverage off of Carson. Dalvin Cook, we knew no one was playing him. We knew it. Didn't think he'd be 1%, but, man, we knew that Dalvin – I mean, 
when I'm 35 points blind behind the line of cash, Dalvin Cook has about as much upside as any running back in the league. So getting him at 1%, that was just beautiful. I went with Cedric Wilson just like you because he was so cheap. That's direct leverage off of uh, Lamb and Cooper. And we knew that, you know, as the week went on, it seemed like he was going to carry less and less ownership. Um, and, he, you know, he allows you to jam Ross and Cook and Metcalf and Evans. Uh, and Mike Evans, I like you, I also jammed him in. I said on the Friday show that I thought he was going to windmill. I thought I thought he was in for a real big bounce back. And getting him at 8% as well, like Mike Evans isn't the kind of guy you're going to play in cash, but he carries that massive week-to-week touchdown upside. Uh, we saw that come to fruition yesterday. So where to start? Um, man, I thought I was dead for a while. I mean, watching – I'll start here. Watching – Metcalf do close to nothing while Lockett has his best game of his season. This will probably be the best game of the season. I mean, 170 yards. He caught two bombs. One was a touchdown. Like, I w- it wasn't as bad because I was at least getting the points from Russ. And-, and Russ was great. Like, I can't ask for much more from Russ than 26 points. Um, that's completely fine. It- it- Russ is not the problem. But, man, paying a 7.6 price tag and getting 11 points from Metcalf, and watching Lockett go off, and this is the exact same spot that I was in last year. I played Metcalf, and Lockett had his, I think it, he went like 14 catches for 200 yards and three touchdowns. Just had a career day, and it was the same day that Metcalf like dropped that ball running into the end zone, and so the touchdown got called back, and it was just, just a miserable time to be made. But So what I'm saying is, I will never play another Seahawks receiver. If I'm late swapping, if I'm not, like I will find another route to go. Like I, I can't like third time's a charm. Like I'm not, I'm not doing this again, but <laughs> um, you know, Evan smash, he got there 24 and a half points. Cedric, we, he didn't really need to do much. Cedric was just about jamming these other guys into our lineup. Dalvin ended up being fine. He got 19.8. Um, he left this game with an injury um, for a little bit, but at 1.2 points, like, those 19.8 points are massive when you're trying to come back from a 35-point hole. And it's 19 points that did not move the cash line at all. Uh, and that's really, really, really important when you're, when you're talking about the swap. Getting a guy that low owned, every single time he touches the ball, you're accruing points that are getting you back into, into the conversation. So, um, And then we get down to the end of this Titans – Seahawks game and oh baby like Tennessee ties the game up I'm 1.8 points below the line of cash line of cash was 127.9 and I'm at 126.1 and I have a whole overtime of Russ and Metcalf so you know the Titans win the coin flip um they go three and out well they got a rough in the passer call so they basically went three and out twice get the ball back. I'm like, man, I literally just need a catch from Metcalf, just a catch from Metcalf, or I just need Russ to do close to anything. I mean, we go incomplete to Metcalf. It might've went incomplete to Metcalf again. And then Russ gets sacked on third down and they punt the ball away. The shitty punt, like the the Titans run it back like nine yards. They start their field position at the Seattle 38. And right then I knew I was dead. They give the ball to Henry a couple times. He trucks them like he had been trucking them all freaking day. Kick the field goal, game winner. So over time, I got zero points from Russ, zero points from Metcalf. And at the end of the day, 1.8 points below the line to cash. 
just a complete dagger after I was getting excited. I thought I was alive late. And, you know, that's just the luck of the draw. And to make matters worse, my original lineup would have cashed. If I didn't late swap, I would have freaking cashed. Like, I think <laughs> that lineup ended with, like, 132. Mm-hmm. So that would have been, like, five points above. And this is a conversation we have to have as well. If I would have known that freaking Austin Eckler was going to be 5% owned in double-ups, oh I would have kept him in my lineup all day. I, we both thought that he was going to be pretty highly owned. He was in a great spot. He was too cheap. Uh, I mean, I guess the flop lag uh, – I guess it was the flop lag. Is that why people didn't play him? Because, man, he was in a great spot. Yeah. I'm he guess, ended up scoring – Yeah. He ended up scoring 22 and a half points now on nine receptions and didn't even get in the box. Like, yeah, it must, I would have known he was going to be five percent. It must have been recency bias and him not catching any balls. I was like, man, uh, I, I thought he was a total, total smash play. And we talked about him on Fridays. He, he was an awesome play. I can't believe I, I was absolutely floored that Austin Eckler was five percent owned against the Cowboys at 70, what was he, 7,300? That's, that's just ridiculous. Yeah. Um, yeah, if I knew that, I would have been all over Eckler as well. Uh, that's that's just crazy. But you know, all in all, I, I think even though your original lineup did end up scoring more than um, your pivoted lineup, I, I think that you made the right call. Uh, you know, from a decision point, I think you made the right call to pivot. Uh, you know, you didn't have Cup, you didn't have Fant. Those guys were uber chalk. You know, over thirty percent owned. Um, for Cup and 25% for Fant. I think that that's the right call to pivot. Um, that just didn't work out. And that's kind of the way it goes. When you when you pivot, you're pivoting to suboptimal guys um, and, and you just have to hope that the chalk busts. And that's kind of the way it goes when you don't play a guy who's extremely chalky, was probably the second highest owned guy on the slate at wide receiver. And if you don't play him and he puts up a 40 bomb on you, uh, you need to scramble. And that's what we had to do. It worked out for me. You almost got there. It didn't work out for you, but um, that's just kind of the way it goes. Do you have anything else to add on your lineup or uh, anything else for this week? Uh, I mean, just in general, it's tilting when, you know, one guy kind of decides what, who wins and who loses. I mean, we've seen Derek Henry do it in the past. Yeah. Uh, last week, we had the Christian Kirk week. We had the Will Fuller work week yeah. where if you just don't play them, and they're chalky, like you're just done for. And, you know, that I mean, that's the name of the game. Sometimes you win, sometimes you lose. Um, not even mad that I didn't get there. I'm just mad that it was the Metcalf versus Lockett thing that yeah, for the second time just did me in. So, I mean, all in all, um, I'm happy with my swap from, a, you know, a game theory perspective. Um, obviously, in hindsight, I go Lockett over Metcalf, but it's, it's the same general leverage play. Um, you're just getting the leverage off of Carson, um, who was a great play. And outside of those two touchdowns, he really didn't do anything. Yeah. Um, so, but yeah, I mean, on the next week, um, we'll try to get back to two and one, um, and, you know, just keep the same process. (laughs) Uh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, it was, uh, definitely a tilting week early on wide range of emotions, but, uh, I ended up getting there um certainly by a by a decent margin I, the fact that i was 30 points under line of cash at the end of one o'clock and end up you know 25 points uh or whatever it was ahead of the line to cash at the end of the slate 
Uh, I mean, that is, that is just, uh, that's crazy. It's crazy the way it swings. But um, I think the lesson to learn here is that if you didn't play the chalk early on and they go off, you need to scramble. You need to pivot um, and try to give yourself the best chance to get yourself ahead of the line of cash. If you sit there and don't do anything, uh, you're most likely just dead and you're just going to sit there and be tilted as the line of cash keeps climbing. You're like, oh, my guys are doing good. My, it, but it doesn't matter because if everyone else has them, you're not going to make any progress. So uh, I think that's kind of the lesson to learn here is to make pivots if you are far, far behind. But with that, uh, we're going to be back on Friday night, bringing back our week three uh, best plays on DraftKings. We're going to do the research and try to get find some gems. And um, until then, good luck, everybody.